Hey guys, I'm Megan Smiley and this is The Escape Plan. For those of you who've followed the rules and worked really hard to climb the ladder, but you're looking around thinking, is this it? This is my life? I hear you. You want more. You want freedom, fulfillment, purpose, but you don't see how that's gonna happen in the traditional work world. You're entrepreneurship curious, but it seems daunting, risky, and probably unrealistic. But in this podcast, I'm gonna help you see just how possible it is to build a business and by extension, the life that you'll genuinely love waking up to every morning. Hey everyone. My guest today is Lauren Kay. She is the host of the Legally Different podcast, a human design expert, and a lawyer practicing on her own terms. Lauren tells us about her journey of quitting big law in search of something more fulfilling. Um, In that process, she went to Bali and explored and really identified freedom as her top value, something I can certainly identify with. And with that freedom as her guiding principle, she has been able to construct a really interesting composite career is what I'll call it. She consults as a lawyer, which allows her to work the hours she wants from wherever in the world she chooses. Um, And and it also allows her the time to lean into other interests and start her podcast and her human design business. If you're thinking of transitioning from the law and building a business or like Lauren, modifying your legal career to make space for the side business, that is exactly what I help people with. In my one-to-one coaching program, the Freedom Business Incubator, I help you get clear on your business idea, ensure that it's viable and will be something that you enjoy. Then we create your offer and a marketing plan so that you can actually start. You'll go from thinking about something to doing it and doing it before you leave your job for now. (laughs) So if you'd like to chat more about that and see if it's a good fit, uh, I just invite you to schedule a catalyst call. Alrighty, on to my conversation with Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. It's awesome oh. to be on. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, so, I can't wait. So I start by with the same question for everyone: was sort of what drew you to the law in the first place? Mm, yeah, good question. In some ways, it's kind of hard to like navigate back to that previous version of me. And to be honest, I can't really recall like the initial point where I consciously thought, oh, I want to become a lawyer. Um, I think it was probably a number of influences around me. Um, maybe Ali McBeal had something to do with it at the time. <laughs> but yep. uh, from there, for sure, I know that like my my internal drive and motivation once the seed was planted like I really wanted to go for it and I think a lot of um kind of the influence behind that as well was probably like my working class background growing up in a steel town in the north of England being encouraged to work hard but also having a desire to do something different to what I saw around me in terms of work Mm -hmm. and for me that was um like a professional career and um, yeah, as I say, the legal thing landed quite early. I'm not sure exactly how and why, but I was pretty set on that path yeah. um, from a fairly early age. And um, yeah, I've always kind of had an inner compass for fairness and justice, which I think had something to do with it as well. Um, yeah. 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 
And so how did your sort of education and career evolve? So I um, studied law at university and um, again at, at university I was super motivated by that time I knew what kind of firm I wanted to work in and I was doing you know all the right things to try and get work experience and kind of exposure to the larger corporate firms Um, and I managed to secure a training contract and then was um, like that meant I was supported through law school so Mm -hmm. I was paid to go through law school and then had um, effectively a job and training for two years after law school Um, and definitely loved it in the in the early stages and um, was really just like going with the flow and kind of in awe of it enjoyed earning money enjoyed elements of the responsibility um the type of law I was doing I went into property law and kind of loved the tangibility factor of that yeah um but yeah then things began to evolve (laughs) so where did the cracks start showing for you um um I mean I think really the larger cracks started to show when I was about four years qualified so six years in if you count the training contract period mm-hmm. but to be honest I definitely had I call them soul nudges I had them earlier on but I just kind of pasted over them and told myself oh it will feel better once you're more qualified you're just questioning yourself because you need more experience or um, it'll get better once you earn more money or you know these feelings right. will change and you know they didn't and I suddenly had this point at four years qualified where I was like I have to do something about this like these are no longer soul nudges they're like soul screams like yeah. girl make <laughs> change um, yep. and there wasn't anything you know I don't have a dramatic story to share of like a breakdown or anything going on in my personal life it was just all I can pinpoint it to is these inner soul nudges and probably um through the lens of human design which I know we'll get onto so I won't go into too much detail here but knowing now I have splenic authority which is all about the intuition Mm. something was just telling me to make a move and I decided to trust that even though I didn't know um where that would lead I didn't have a plan I mean like I saved money and did what I could to um, make things more comfortable for the transition but I just felt this call to quit and go traveling and and that's what I did and that opened up so many doors and has since changed the trajectory of so much for me really it was yeah a huge pivot point for me. So when you left was that sort of intuition so loud that you're like I'm leaving this and I'm never coming back or were you just like I need a break and we'll see um a mixture of both but probably more of the first one when I left I thought I was completely leaving law 100% I thought I just thought there wasn't a place for me in law anymore because I just thought the only way to practice was the way I was doing it you know nine to five well it's never nine to five eight right. or whatever <laughs> and um you know in this intense stressful environment so I was t- effectively turning my back on law but was always open-minded mm-hmm. imagined I would be coming back to London um which I didn't end up doing but perhaps working for a startup or something like that mm-hmm. um but yeah when I left it I did think I was leaving law completely 
Yeah. And was there any part of you that was like, I mean, it sounded like you've been on such a mission from a young age. Um, was, was that part hard for you to sort of like envision yourself as, you know, it gets tied up in your identity, I think. Mm. Um, and I just wonder sort of what that experience was like for you or if it was just sort of, it just was clear. That's how it was for me. I was just like, I just don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, same. And it's interesting how you explain that. Being on a mission yeah. from such a young age. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I put yeah. so much into that. And now I can, looking back, I know I was probably pushing myself too hard in some areas and just needed to go with the flow and surrender a bit. But yeah, when I left, it was super easy. And I was actually very conscious of things like, lawyer being a label I'd attached to for so long Mm -hmm. but I think I just had a level of objectivity around it and thought it's a label I can leave or I'll unpick later down the line I just need to leave it for now yeah and it's actually interesting because um yeah on my journey there were just so many points that led me to really consider the meaning of labels and how much we attach them and how much they mean like I remember going to like um the immigration office in I can't remember where I was Thailand or somewhere and having to write your occupation and I thought I'm not anything right now why do we need to be defined what am I and I still ended up writing lawyer because yeah it kind of felt safer because it carries this level of kudos about it and I thought well what am I and I can't just write you know on I don't know, an explorer or whatever I'm doing, having a life soul journey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. I you remember know. I remember that same thing. Even once I was working at the law school, I was just kind of like, first of all, director of international non-JD programs is a mouthful. <laughs> so I think there's <laughs> part of me that's just like, lawyer seems simpler for these questions. Yes. But, there, but there also just was this part of me that I'm like, yeah, but I don't know that it, it's... I wasn't sad or conflicted about leaving it, but there was that part of you that's just like, I'm not quite sure how to explain what I'm doing without saying I'm a lawyer. Mm, yes. Yeah. True. And it's like society needs needs a reason. It needs an answer. It needs a definition on what you're doing. And it's like, I don't know right now. And yeah, I'm not yeah. concerned with putting a label on it. So yeah. yeah. You know, this makes me think sort of, this is a bit of an aside, but I, I see that LinkedIn has now allowed people to um, put sort of like gap years or sabbatical years or traveling and trying to discover myself years and that people are actually putting that on their timelines, which I think is a step in the right direction for humanity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, I didn't know that. I haven't noticed it. I'll have to check yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it's always been one of those things. I mean, I've never personally felt it, but people are always like, shall I put the time out on my CV? Shall I talk mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about sort of your travels and what became clear to you in that process. Um, yes. So one key thing that became super clear to me was, um, how much I value freedom. So I got really clear on my values and my key value is freedom. And I built a life that was not based on freedom or at least my version of freedom then, and it can evolve. So I'd, you know, um, and it was right at the time and I wouldn't change anything in many ways, but, you know, had a fixed place of work, was tied in with an with expensive rent in London and all these things just right. to work that job. 
to not have a huge amount left at the end of the day. I mean, obviously a very nice privileged amount, but equally, mm, yeah, when you do the calculations, it um, it wasn't worth it. When I, in this new phase, looking back at the value I got for the money um, and the time I'd spent, it just made me really question things and think, oh, the value of time and like how much I valued freedom. So I then began to kind of, and a, another pivotal thing at this time was my um, my travels took me to Bali. I mean, I could say so much about this period, but that's where I first met digital nomads and people mm-hmm. working remotely. And this was around, I think, five years ago now, four or five. And I thought, wow, I want to do that. Um, how can I make it happen? And it is just, it was not a concept that ever crossed my mind. I just didn't think it was possible, especially in law, because it was a big deal back then to just work from home because you needed to be around because a workman was coming around to sort something. Right. Um, never mind that. And to be honest, back then, if someone said to me, do you want to work from a laptop on a beach? I'd have probably said no or had questions about it because I just wasn't there. I was yeah. quite um, intertwined in my London life and, and did love so much of it at the time so yeah that was kind of like the evolution yeah. for me really the freedom piece yeah yeah and <clears throat> so where did you go from there what sort of how did you think about okay what am I going to do like to honor that freedom and also make a living <laughs> yeah so kind of the travel period had come to an end where I wasn't working I think I spent about six months and by this point I was really clear that um, I'd be returning to the UK for a little while but I wanted to come back and live in Bali and make a life um, working remotely from Bali work Um, Mm -hmm. so I thought yeah I'm not going you know definitely by this point I'd realized I'm definitely not going back to like a quote-unquote normal job in an office how can I make this happen And I think getting really fixed in that value and what I wanted really helped me kind of attract or nurture or create opportunities because it was from there that um, initially I um, wound up working for a friend who had a legal tech business and she was really forward thinking and a former colleague and really forward thinking um, and happy for me to work from Bali. So I kind of trained in some legal tech and did that for a little while was also doing some things on the side um and then I came across via contact this a law firm who I still consult for now who are London-based a boutique firm very forward-thinking and were all over the remote working thing way back then um to support I was gonna say when did you what year what year did you start so that was 2017 Yeah. yeah Yeah. And, you know, they were open to, they call it agile working, um, yeah. to support any lifestyle, whether you're, you want to be a more present parent or you're living abroad or you're traveling. So yeah. I was just like, this is perfect. And it was just what I needed at the time. I could pick up being a lawyer again, yeah. um, which was, which was kind of a strange process having, you know, well I thought I completely walked away from it yeah yeah you it was a little (laughs) bit confronting in some ways but then I was like well this is also perfect in many other ways so that's um yeah what I did back then and and I still do some consulting for them now yeah I think it's so it's so interesting to think of 
just like the before times when that was so rare that anyone would even consider allowing you to work remotely. Whereas now, of course, you know, I think the majority of sort of big law type environments probably want you to be around more, but, but there is this kind of acceptance of, of, um, the fact that you can actually do work and not be physically in an office, which exactly. you know, really took some forward thinking for someone to be there before the pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, at the time, yeah, it's easy to think, oh, that's no big deal now. But at the time, it was yeah. wild. And like, I was yeah. definitely the only lawyer I knew doing that. All these, anyone else I met remote working were not in the legal field. And just the conversations I was having with other lawyers, other friends, they were just like, well, how does that work? How is it possible? Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to see how far we've come. I think it's also interesting because I think there are, you know, different reasons why people leave the practice of law. And, you know, some people, it's just like, hate everything about it. Like, hate the hours, hate the work. That was me. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I don't want to do this at all. <laughs> but I think some people just hate the environment. And like, but if you could do the work from a beach in Bali, like, maybe I don't hate the work that much. Um, yeah yeah exactly that was a realization for me it was never really the law mm -hmm. um it was the way in which I was working and having to commit so much of my time and energy mm -hmm. um to it and being in the office environment which isn't the healthiest for projectors which are human design types which we'll probably get into yes. Yes. and um all the things so um yeah, and I've have, had a lot of realizations about my purpose and, and the type of law as well. The the um the clients I work for are completely different. They're like entrepreneurs and, and startups, which is before I was working for like big investment funds, pension right, funds, those kind of things. Right. So it's a whole, yeah, the whole thing was a big shift. So that's so interesting because it, it just feels like you, you've created like a composite career of things that work for you. Is that like a fair way of putting it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you are still currently doing some contracting work for them. And what else is sort of part of this composite career that that you're designing for yourself? Yeah. So throughout all of this kind of process, I did a lot of inner inquiry work, which is kind of hard not to do in Bali because it's full of, yeah, so many yeah. kind of personal development experiences. But I was leaning into that myself anyway and realized how much um like I think a big part of my purpose is like helping other people I did like my life coach training all these different things and mm -hmm. um like had just recognized that even in law a lot of what I was doing was in relation to um helping people nurturing their talents like I always took up mentorship roles and things for juniors and mm -hmm. and I just noticed this was a common theme so these are some of the puzzle pieces starting to come together and um yeah so I've always like one of my side things has been always somehow in the kind of personal development world and then I came across human design and just fell in love with it and I was like this is the thing I've been waiting for like on a on a personal level I loved it just kind of felt so seen and recognized by it and really yeah I was just really interested in the system yeah. um but it and then wind on I think one and one one and a half years and I just I decided I really want to study this become trained in it and offer it to people 
um so yeah that's that's one of the things I'm doing now and loving um yeah that's awesome so I have sort of vaguely referenced human design on this podcast before but I'm so happy to have you here so that you can help us sort of get a good foundation and understanding what it is and why I know both you and I find it to be very enlightening. Um, so would you mind giving us just kind of like an overview of the structure? What is human design? Yeah, I'd love to. And yeah, I love that you're, you're already into it as well and know your design and everything, um, which we've <laughs> chatted quite a bit about yeah. and we'll come on to for sure. But um, yeah, so human design, it's, um, it's, it's a know yourself tool. It's a system, a blueprint that shows you exactly who you are in energetic and genetic terms. And so much in life, we're like given a map of like how to do life. And it's based on all of these external versions, like five steps to this or, or, you know, our parents' version of success or just external versions from society. But human design gives us a blueprint of who we are um and really helps us to navigate things life work um how we're designed to operate with people how we're designed to make decisions and um it comes from a synthesis of a number of different other modalities um which I love like from the kind of tangible to the mystical and the woo-woo if you like yeah um, which I love I love all of those systems so it's a mix of um the chakra system astrology Chinese I Ching, the Kabbalah tree of life, and quantum physics and genetics. Mm -hmm. And it creates, yeah, it fuses those systems together to create its own unique system, which is the human design system. And for anyone listening, I'd really encourage you, if you're not familiar with your chat, to um, maybe maybe go and get it up as we're speaking, because then when we get onto the types, you'll be able to um, hear more about what your type is you can go to www.mybodygraph.com and you enter your time date and place of birth and your your own unique chart will come up it looks like a person and it's got like loads of wild lines and numbers and <laughs> things be, on it don't be overwhelmed I mean, yeah it's a, little, it's a little overwhelming when you still yeah it's here. so <laughs> wild yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay with it and don't yeah yes. don't be overwhelmed just yeah. yeah yeah so what's sort of like the first thing that you would look at at a chart what are sort of the main categories of interest yeah so there's a lot of things to dive into but the key piece especially if you're brand brand new to human design is looking at your human design type and it'll be called your energy type um and there are five energy types um which I can dive into, um, yeah. but also the other, just to touch on the other couple of key pieces are looking at your profile, which will be two numbers, looking at your strategy and looking at your, it's called authority, but it's how you're designed to make decisions. Um, they're kind of the key entry points, but mainly the um, your energy type. It's kind of like finding out your sun type in, in um, your sun sign in astrology there's so much more to it, but it's such a key fundamental foundational piece that will still tell you so much. Um, so yeah, shall I run through each yeah, of the types? Yeah, yeah, jump in. Cool. Um, so the first type is generators, and they are 40% of the population, so the majority. 
And and again, don't be put off if you're like, oh, I'm in the majority. I thought it was really unique. Everyone's unique. And there's so much more to human design. There's like 2 billion different configurations. And again, this is just the entry point. But yeah, generators, they are like the life force of the planet. They're like the builders, the creators, the, the doers. Um, we need them so much. They've created our world, basically. And they're really here to follow what lights them up. Because they're so good at the doing, they tend to get drawn into like the shoulds and and the people pleasing and doing things because they can rather than because, than it, because they want to or because it lights them up. They're like a solid pair of hands that people can rely on. Right. Um, the second type are manifesting generators and they're 30% of the population. And everything I've said about generators applies to them as well, except manifesting generators can go at lightning speed and they're designed to be really quick and um, non-linear and they tend to be yeah multifaceted, multi-passionate, uh, multi-talented. They can spin many plates at once and that's how they're designed. Like often they are kind of raised or made to feel that like they're wrong for doing a number of things or maybe not finishing something before starting another thing, but really that's their magic and they're, they're also meant to follow what lights them up. Um, and that is likely going to look like doing a number of things and they can yeah. get bored easily, particularly in like a, a linear career like law. So definitely need a lot to like keep them engaged. So a number of projects, making sure they're nourishing their hobbies outside of work, those kind of things. Yeah, I had a manifesting generator on the podcast fairly recently Marnie Blank if anyone wants to go look to see what it looks like for <laughs> to be a lawyer turned uh, entrepreneur with a manifesting generator vibe behind it that's a good one to listen oh, to oh cool yeah. yeah thanks for flagging that I'll have yeah. to give that a listen yeah. yeah yeah actually so many lawyers I come across are manifesting generators which is really interesting. that yeah. is interesting yeah yeah um and then the next type projectors so that's our type <laughs> they are I, that's not how I felt when I first saw it let me tell you that oh really <laughs> no how did you feel I was just like it didn't make it didn't make sense to me and I didn't yeah well we can get into it but there's sort of ways that projectors are supposed to function that I felt limited by same yeah I felt that initially confronted um mm -hmm. but yeah yeah we'll get get into yeah. that because that's a, a really interesting piece but yeah, so projectors are 20% of the population. They are, they're like the wise guys, the seers, the coaches, the leaders, the CEOs, the, yeah, the guides really. And they're here not really to do the doing, but the guiding. Um, and really their value is, is the way they see things. They have a unique lens on the world. It's, it's the, yeah, the way they see things, not the amount that they can do or the amount they can contribute as such. That's not to say they're not here to do the doing, but they don't have something called a defined sacral center, which generators and manifesting generators do have. And that's what really gives them their inner engine, their life force to go, go, go. Projectors and the remaining types that I'll come on to don't have that. So they need to be really mindful of their energy in terms of how much they're working, um, energetically speaking like who they're around their environment and those kind of things and the piece I kind of love about projectors and again it's not a hard and fast rule is like really they are here to just work two to three hours a day um but <laughs> yeah. one of their gifts is working super efficiently so it, 
you know, they get tired with the brush that they're lazy. Not at all. We're yeah. so efficient. And this is something I kind of found in, in the legal world and got frustrated about having to be present on my seat nine to five and beyond because I felt like I could efficiently get things done and didn't see the point in, in being there so long. So that's yeah. really their gift, efficiency, oh. their unique lens on the world. Yeah. Um, just do you resonate point, with that? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, and what you just said, you know, made me think of, in my first year at the law firm, I had my review and they're like, you know, people love working with you. You're so efficient. Like you get things done, but we're not giving you, you know, a big bonus because your hour, you didn't bill a lot of hours. I'm like, cause I did it faster. <laughs> like, wow. you know, I was yeah. like, and it was just such a, you know, it seemed like a bad incentive system to start with, but then, you know, through the lens of what I now see as like my projector ness, right. I was like, yeah, I, I just, I didn't need all those hours to accomplish the same thing, but that's just not what the reward structure was in sort of a generator world. Mm, exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not designed for projectors. And yeah, the the value we can really bring is is creating, being efficient in ourselves, but also like creating efficient systems, like seeing how things can be done better and in a more efficient way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think the whole like for me, one of the things about finding out a little bit about projectors at first was I did have this story of I'm lazy. I'm lazy. Like everybody here seems fine working much harder than I want to, right? <laughs> And for me, it was it was sort of validating to be like, oh, I just function differently. Like maybe I am just actually built differently than somebody else exactly. who who has the energy to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And it can be so liberating to find that out. Um, yep. I think I was the opposite. I'd um, like really become attached to this label of being hardworking, you know, I was praised as that growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, our whole world kind of praises that, doesn't it? Yeah. And so when I found out I was a projector, it made sense because I had began to feel, I did start to feel burnt out, but I also felt confronted and thought looking at all the types, I'd have guessed I was a generator but it was actually because I was operating as a generator, not because it was my true nature. But when, you know, a lot of my, as my path unfolded, really it was kind of like my soul telling me, no, move on, like step into this projector energy. I didn't have the language for it back then. So when I came to image design, it did make so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, and like you said, like it's, it is a generator world, right. And, and, particularly I think Western culture, Western capitalist culture is sort of more built around that energy than anything else. Definitely. Yeah. And yeah, I, I sound like I'm being negative about generators. We love you and we need you. And actually (laughs) projectors and generators work really, really well together when they're mindful of each other's energies and like generators can add like that engine uh, projectors like generators really really in particular benefit from projectors guidance like how to manage their energy because otherwise generators can go th- full throttle into like things that don't light them up and mm-hmm. yeah they make really good kind of teammates in, in all different aspects of life yeah, yeah um, makes sense. yeah so uh, we'll finish the types I know uh, I could 
dive more into projectors. Yeah. We're both projectors, but, yeah. <laughs> but let's finish the types. Yeah. So the next type um, are manifestors, and they're around 7% of the population. And again, manifestors don't have that innate engine, so need to be mindful of their time, their like energy. And really, they are the initiators of the world, the trailblazers, the creators. Um, and they are here to to initiate, to start things, which just to put that into context and diving into kind of one other piece in human design. So I think a lot of us are nurtured to to start things, to hustle, to reach out, to cold call. And actually, uh, we all have something called a strategy in human design. And the only strategy that aligns with that is that of a manifester. The rest of us have more passive ones. Well, they're not Mm -hmm. passive. There's like nuances to them. But compared to that, they are fairly passive. And um, so it's really interesting to know that only roughly 7% of the population are the true initiators, the starters of things. And yeah, manifestors are generally like really creative. They tend to have creative surges, which if you're a manifestor listening to this, it's like really important to kind of listen to them and ride those surges when when they come, like do something with those creative urges, but also honor the down bit, like honor your need for rest because that's when like your creative ideas will will have time to kind of germinate and flourish. Yeah, yeah. And then the final type um, are reflectors. They're only 1% of the population, so really rare and unique. And um, they have all of their charts in human design is completely white and open. So that will make sense to you if you've looked at your chart and you can see all the coloring going on. Everything in theirs is white and open, um, which means, yeah, they're really open to the energy of the world in every area of their chart. And really there are like wise guides, um, true mirrors, like it's in the name reflectors. They mirror so much of the world um and yeah they tend to play good roles as like an evaluator in a team because they're really reflective of what's going on really reflective of an idea or a project um and they're here to be chameleonic they're not here to have like one set identity one set way of being and often they can find like like giving themselves a hard time or the world giving them a hard time for not being one fixed thing where really they're meant to be a bit fluid and adaptable and be be that mirror for the rest of the world. Yeah. I read somewhere that some disproportionate number of actors are reflectors because they have that ability to sort of switch in and out of identities and reflect things. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I know yeah. that Sandra Bullock is a reflector. Um, yeah. And yeah, that makes sense because they can take on those identities. I have a friend who's actually a lawyer, um, but works very differently as a lawyer and is a photographer. And that makes sense as well because yeah, like really yeah. reflecting the world around him. Yeah. yeah. So when you sort of dive into someone's chart, I know you have my chart, sort of what are the other things that pop up that people would be interested in sort of zoning in on? Yes. So your energy type is the first key piece. And then um, I'd say the next key one would be, well, they kind of come hand in hand. Understanding your strategy is key and your authority um authority is the way we're designed to make decisions and I find this one just kind of touching on it in headline terms really interesting because 
we've all been raised, I think, to make decisions with our mind, to think things through and germinate on things. And particularly as lawyers, it's like the only place we could be really. Whereas human design recognizes that we have many other intelligence tools within our body, Um, not just the mind. And actually, I think only it's, I think off the top of my head, 7% of the population have mental authority. Um, And the other um authorities are for example um gut is one authority um decision making tool so really feeling into that gut that gut feeling um its technical name is sacral authority and then our authority is splenic we both have splenic authority which is all about the intuition so that immediate kind of like that quiet knowing that inner knowing that can't be explained and it's really quiet and fleeting um actually Megan you do have your mind defined it's not your authority but I do imagine if if your spleen wasn't defined then your it would make you um have mental authority so that will still be very potent for you and like in any decisions your splenic authority will be the primary one but I think you can really play with the mental authority actually as well oh that's interesting because I I feel like I try to I'm trying to build because um, my understanding is that the splenic authority and intuition, it's like a a one-time hit and then you're like, there's no like sitting around and like analyzing it. It comes and it goes kind of a thing. Yes, exactly. I don't feel like I, um, I don't feel like that's like a muscle that's very uh, evolved for me. So because I am so likely to go into my head and think something through a, because of perhaps my, define mine but also just the you know the world we live in being a lawyer all of that (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I don't think I've come across anyone yet with a with splenic authority who has a defined mind and it's quite the contradiction isn't it actually because the mind can be quite loud whereas um the intuition center is very like quiet um but yeah tools to kind of tune into that is just any kind of modality that helps you get quiet and and connect with yourself for example meditation yeah um and just like nurturing it as an ongoing process yeah 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 but it sounds like you've made a lot of spontaneous decisions in in your time from our chats before and that you do trust kind of trust that feeling yeah I think that's true in retrospect when I look back on it um even leaving the law was sort of spontaneous um Mm. and I've definitely, I, from the outside, I'm sure a lot of people would say, it seems that you make a lot of like, on the fly decisions about your life, which I probably do. <laughs> so, but I feel like they work out, you know, like, that's, yeah, that's the beauty of that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can connect with that as well, because at the time I didn't um, associate me leaving law as as spontaneous. But when I look back or it it did come across like that to other people. But to me, it was a really measured decision. I'd I'd kind of had sat with it as well, but something was telling me to leave and I trusted that. Yeah. Um, And I think definitely that was the spleen activation looking back for sure. And And I I think think that makes sense because we both sort of, I think, didn't necessarily have as deep of an existential crisis about leaving our sort of big law jobs as as many people I talk to do. And perhaps that's because we just did have this kind of intuitive 
knowledge that it was not the right place for us. True. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's so fascinating, you know, this as a tool and trying to understand sort of how I function has, has very much informed my career development since I discovered it. And so that's why I sort of, I love to talk about it. I love for people to understand it because I think in my view, we're all trying to design sort of, you know, for me, I'm working with people to design businesses, but a career life, whatever that really works with you and resonates with you and having this awareness of how you function is so important in helping you design a life where you function smoothly if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely exactly and yeah I love that it's been so helpful for you and I think most of the time when we are I don't know making decisions or creating something like a business or considering leaving a job we look external to us rather than tuning inwards and understanding who we are what our purpose is um and I think really that's the starting point and and thinking about one of my values really the way I obtained freedom and and continually try to align with freedom is is via inner freedom and one piece of that is is understanding myself and how I operate yeah 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 so like for you know when I was still working at the law firm um and I knew I needed something very different and that's when I decided and it was not, this was a process. I went through a lot of sort of experimentation, but um, I decided to get into interior design because I love the aesthetics. I, I do. I love that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And as I was building that, this was before I had found uh, human design, but then the, I was building that business on the side, but the pandemic hit and we left New York and sort of everything was up in the air. And that was kind of the season in which I found human design. And I realized, you know, for my design, this guide energy, this sort of not being the doer, but being the guide and sort of uh, working not crazy hours and allowing yourself to rest. I was like, huh. You know, part of what I was marketing myself as with the interior design was like, hey, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I have a lawyer's attention to detail and execution. I could do all these things. And I was like, I mean, I can, but I think that's not actually how I function best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had started this podcast before that. And, and I, that's what kind of made me think. I was like, in this role, I'm more of a guide. And maybe that's just sort of my calling. And so... I really do think it can help inform what what you see as your purpose. And I would say purpose doesn't mean like, oh, you have to go like, you know, save the world or whatever. It's like just doing work that is interesting to you while sort of functioning in your natural ways. Exactly. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, there's so much I could speak to there. And initially, it's interesting that you went down the creativity route because you have the gate of creativity, number one. Mm-hmm. um that's one of your gifts which is interesting um yeah, and that. um yeah 100% feel you on the piece around how you operate and being that guide stepping into that the yeah the role of a guide a coach for other people yeah. um and sharing that yeah and it's just a it's you know I like this tool there are other tools too it's just I think um 
particularly coming from the law where we're sort of just taught that there's this like kind of one way to function, one way to be successful. It's just opening our eyes to embracing that people function differently. You know, people's strengths lie in different places and embracing that and, you know, sort of, um, validating that you know we're all different <laughs> exactly yes yeah. love that definitely yeah. um and it's like so taking a random example like let's say you know in human design or, or whatever modality you have the gift of of like caring for others so like a non-law example there's mm-hmm. so many ways that can come to fruition like the traditional way is oh you become a healthcare worker or something and right, maybe right. that would be aligned for a generator in terms of the doing but not unless it if it doesn't light them up then no but like for a projector it's like oh could they um create an app that helps um the care process in somehow I don't know like um family visiting or mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's like the lens yeah. they can do and making things more efficiently it's not always I think we live it can be so easy to fall into these like linear patterns and boxes of what a job is but a lot of the time like it either it doesn't exist as well and we have to get a bit creative and apply the way we work and our passions and our purpose to it to almost yeah. make create it yeah, yeah and as you yeah, say exactly. purpose also doesn't have to be this big thing like all about your career or something it's the everyday like how are you going about things how are you expending your energy are you doing things as a projector or a manifestor or reflector for other people are running yourself ragged and like wondering why you're burnt out at the end of the day like it can just be like day-to-day things as well yeah absolutely Mm. I mean I just find it really useful and I think you know it's it's um it is such a rabbit hole I feel like we've only just like minorly scratched the surface oh here. yeah <laughs> <laughs> right um, yeah yeah and an, another piece you reminded me of then actually um I won't go fully down this rabbit rabbit hole but I'll just touch on the profile because you said you experimented a lot and yeah you are very much an experimenter with your three line profile we we have the same a one three profile and the one is all about they will learn they'll study that's how they yeah how they feel ready to go out in the world but the three line is like I'm going regardless it doesn't matter I need to experiment and soak up life and roll around in the mud and it's actually quite an interesting profile because they kind of conflict in that way and it's (laughs) like (laughs) I've definitely felt that but I'm as I've got older I feel more in my three energy like just experimenting and going for it yeah I think think years of law studying and doing everything by the book and yeah (laughs) right right we were we were built for that part too but yeah (laughs) yeah so and you currently do readings for people yeah 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 so um my business is called legally different um which started out as a podcast having conversations with lawyers and then it's evolved and Yeah, so I hold one-on-one human design sessions for primarily lawyers, but for anyone really, but obviously I naturally attract lawyers and professionals. And it's been cool to see actually since launching them, how many lawyers have come forward. And it really makes you feel excited about where we're going because really, depending on your lens, some some people, I don't see this, you know, as having elements of woo-woo-ness in it. 
Right. And and it's really interesting to see how many lawyers are coming forward and being really curious about human design and even saying to me, thank you for talking about this stuff. Thank you for putting it out there because I've been so curious about it for ages or like be really interested in astrology. And um, yeah, thank you. I feel like I couldn't like express that part of myself. So I've, I kind of feel like there's something in the air and we're really yeah. at the start of like a new a new season chapter era with um, these kind of things. Yeah, I, I totally do too. And it's sort of, you know, that was one thing I, I was, I was going to ask you is just, you know, we're like totally in here and we both talk about this on our podcasts and, you know, we own that, but do, we're also kind of, you know, doing our own things. And, and it's very interesting to hear that people still practice things, still sort of steeped in that world are seeking out sort of different kinds of methods of reflection or or insight that aren't all let me just do some hard research in the books kind of a thing Mm, exactly yeah yeah definitely and yeah that excites me I think yeah yeah and it's also fun because you know I'm sure there are lots of lawyers out there who think that this is insane and that's fine yeah. too yeah. <laughs> they probably don't want to work with either of us <laughs> so um I don't want to take up too much more of your time but just let people know where they can what the best place is to find you yeah so I'm most active on Instagram so at legally different um there's my website www.legallydifferent.com um yeah they're the best places really or yeah you can drop me an email at hello at legallydifferent.com um yeah and we'd love to hear from you well I could 100% pick your brain about my own personal (laughs) human design but I won't bore everybody with that but it's it's really an like a lot of fun I encourage people to go grab their um you know, grab their design and follow up with Lauren if you if you want more sort of depth of understanding about it because it's um yeah it's it's just a really interesting and fun new perspective on yourself. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Megan. I love that you love it. And yeah, it's been so cool to have this conversation. And yeah, I could keep going on for ages <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge with us, Lauren. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank yeah. you.